Mike's in the Mixer here. This is our third episode. We are super excited to bring you Brady Ellis. Brady, hello. Thank you for being on yeah, today. Thanks for having me on. We are going to introduce him in just a minute. Actually, John is going to introduce him. John, you have done all of our introductions. I'm starting to feel like you're the one wearing the pants in this relationship. <laughs> <laughs> it's about time you figured that out. I, I can't say they are both wearing pants right now. I know this is an audio, true. An audio mine are, format. Mine are kind of chubbies. They're barely there. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, yeah, for those of uh, folks who have just just listening for the first time, Three Mics and a Mixer is a podcast where we sit down with our good friends in Chicago and we hear about what they are experts and passionate about. So opportunity here this week from Brady Ellis. Brady, you are a third guest from our podcast, so pat yourself on the back. It's an honor to be here. They say third time's the charm, so. And so this is going to be the, the best episode. Of the, the best first. episode, yeah, and this is where we go viral. For hopefully the right reason. Typically, <laughs> you go, typically you go viral on episode three. That's right. Like That's ep- what I hear. That's episodes uh, one and two are good, but you know, episode three, really the sweet spot. Mm-hmm. So at that point, that's all of our hopes and dreams resting on this podcast, Brady. So Perfect. I, I'll, um, let that, I'll let that responsibility really sink in. But yeah, Brady, we met you during the pandemic um, last year um, at one of the Sunday dinners at our, at our church. And that was just a joy. It's been a pleasure to get to know you even more recently here. Um, but I think, fun fact for the folks at home, you were actually from Dublin. Yes. Not the Irish one. <sighs> so close. Though we do have the second largest Irish festival in the United States in Dublin, Ohio, every year in August. So is close. there, and I have to ask, is there actually like an Irish community in Dublin or is it, did they just take the opportunity from their name? I would say it's probably more name opportunistic than anything else. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really fun community great place to grow up. Uh, really loved it there. Is it in the middle of nowhere outside of a city in Ohio or? Yeah. So it's a suburb of Columbus, just one of the Northwest suburbs, um, of the city. And it's, uh, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere there, but it's growing and getting huge really fast. So my high school, when I was a freshman, a horse ran around our high school. No one was paying attention that whole day because a horse had gotten (laughs) out of stables nearby and was running around. So countryside, but then by the time that I graduated high school, there was no horses anywhere nearby. Um, so right on the edge of the countryside, but still very much um, the suburbs, not the city. Definitely the suburbs. Have you guys read that book about the little house that was on a hill and is all by itself? Then like buildings started to be built around it and then it got crowded out. Or am I the only one? It reminds me to of To our movie. listeners at home. Send us a note, write it, write in if, you, uh, if you've read this book. It was a staple of my childhood. But anyway, John, you're introducing Brady. What else do we need to know about him? So uh, other fun fact that you shared, and I actually have a follow-up question here. You lived in five states before you were six. This is true. Which five? And yeah. I want to hear, um, what's your like childhood favorite? Okay, so this was, it's early. So like it's hard to remember much of any of them. So most of my like childhood memory starts uh, when I actually lived here in Illinois, in Naperville. Uh, which we only lived here for 11 months, but was born in Louisiana, moved to Waco, Texas, and we lived there for like two years, and then we moved to Haverhill, Massachusetts, which is right on the border of New Hampshire and Massachusetts, and we lived there for like two years. Then we lived in Naperville for about 11 months, and then we moved to Columbus, Ohio, to Dublin, and so, and Uh I grew up and went to college in the city, and then moved out here, so not a lot of moving after the age of six. All, all this moving was because your dad was on the run from the law. Is that correct? Yeah. He's a that, convict. He uh, was working for working in healthcare and, you know, got moved around a ton working okay. for uh, just two different companies, which is kind of crazy. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
but I would no, have sworn it would be like the army or you know some sort of military. Service. Everyone thinks everyone thinks military. Just no. you know, got to move, got to move the healthcare stuff around. That was pretty much the his calling for moving, mm. moving all over the United States. Well, they always say it isn't military, but <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wink, wink. This is the this yeah. is the front. He's giving us a lot of yeah. winks right now. Yeah, yeah this <laughs> is. He's secretly been undercover for the FBI for years, but I can't really say that um, until he retires soon. But, but no. Um, yeah, pretty pretty great place to grow up. I think the to answer your earlier question, John, my favorite memory. I remember distinctly the duck boats, like the boats that go like are like like actual like large bus type car things, like the amphibious yes, vehicles driving into the water, and then they become a boat. Like I thought that was the coolest when I was little, and we were living in Boston, and I like distinctly remember that experience from from living there. When you were growing up, you wanted to become a duck boat. Yeah, I wanted to be a duck boat driver. You know, ah. I saw like very lucrative career field out there. Oh yeah, duck boats. That sounds terrific. In fact, that's on my bucket list: being in a duck boat. Never have been. Yeah, probably never will be. Well, Brady, what have we missed? Tell us about yourself. What are what are some key components to what makes Brady Ellis? Oh, I uh, I took some notes on this and I forgot to look at my notes before coming here. <laughs> you got to remember um, really. Who I got to remember yeah. remember who I am. It, it goes what? it goes back to him him being a spy. <laughs> yeah, just, oh, what's my cover story? Oh, um, no, the. Uh, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Moved here from Columbus about a year ago now. So we're moved in the middle of COVID. The best time to move to the city of Chicago because every single day it just gets a little bit better as COVID goes away. Um, so we can hope. Knock on so wood. we can hope. Knock on wood. You know that that surprises <laughs> me, Brady, that you moved during COVID because you. When I think of like staples of Chicago, like people who are just Chicagoans, like you seem to be one because you seem so well acclimated and so plugged in. Yeah. Like you really belong here. Yeah. I think like a credit to that would be, I did, was, was Joe Riccardi, like genuinely like the pastor of our church, getting me plugged in and introducing me to people at the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like my foot in the door to building community here, which was awesome. I was living here for like six months in 2019 when I was working for uh, Deloitte as an intern. And so I was plugged into park back then and knew exactly where I wanted to be when I moved back here. Um, and like, that's also how I met my roommates and all of those great things. But yeah, I think one of the best, most beneficial things for me was I would try to walk like at least three or four miles every Saturday when I first moved here, just to get to see more and more of the city, mm. um, helped me feel like this was more home, but I'm just became a true Chicagoan a f- like two weeks ago when I went to my first ever Cubs game and had my first ever Chicago style hot dog at the Cubs game. Um, and you didn't put ketchup on it. No ketchup, Perfect. no ketchup. Just mustard and relish and those like pepper things and I onions. think Chicago style hot dogs are the worst. John, you can this, shut up right now. Yeah. <laughs> I've, so I've alienated our entire uh, fan base at this point. Oh, yeah, that, that's, that's gonna, right. That's, there goes your viewership right there. Right. It's, it's just gone. <laughs> our massive viewership. So, and speaking of Chicago, I hear one of your favorite places to walk to is Collectivo. Yes, I. If you are looking for me during the week weekend typically on a Saturday it's walking somewhere from the DePaul area to Collectivo and back um, not that I like really feel like any strong affiliation to their coffee um, but just really beautiful walk through all the wonderful Lincoln Park streets and all of looking at all the pretty houses as I walk over and walk back you know I have nothing against Collectivo but I got a coffee from there this week and it was the size of a shot glass. I kid you not. It was their small coffee. <laughs> and I was like, this is one sip of I, coffee. What did I just pay for? I will agree that I typically get the medium and typically I'm like, hmm, I could have used a large most times. Yeah, absolutely. 
I feel but, that about know, most most purchases of food and drink, but but it tastes good, so that's what counts. That's right. Well, Brady, can you quickly tell us what you do, and then we can dive into maybe some some interesting topics here. Yeah. So what I do is uh, an ever changing, crazy dumpster fire of a job working at a startup, <laughs> and so I currently do our like finance and accounting for the most part, but also do a lot of stuff with data analytics and uh, like business intelligence type topics. And so um, every once in a while, I also jump into um, helping and support on like the HR, HR type things and operations implementations and things like that. So get to do all sorts of really crazy fun stuff. But yeah, that's, that's more or less the job. The company's called Branch Insurance and mm -hmm. we were founded in 2018 and are growing super fast. Just recently opened up in Wisconsin. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So wow. pretty exciting. What I'm hearing is that you're a one-man band at this company. Well, you do for, it all. I was for a little while. Um, the the band, <laughs> my band's team is now up to three people. So you know, we're okay. really we're really cruising. There you go. Yeah, that's uh, that's what you're looking for. And and I guess at that point we can kind of pivot into tell us about working at a startup. Yeah, um, it's a blast. It was not what I expected. Um, my way of getting into this job was really weird. I was supposed to go work at the big green dot Deloitte um, and was excited and happy to get to go do that. And then just got really lucky found uh, during COVID my start date got pushed back, was looking for work and they needed someone to do really boring thing, write statistical reports to sit mm -hmm. in the state of Texas. Um, that was my start and I haven't left since and I've been so happy. Brady, I feel like undergrad students have such a euphoria around entrepreneurship and around mm -hmm. startups. I mean, entrepreneurship programs at colleges across the U.S. are blowing up and everyone puts startups on such a pedestal. Yet very few people actually end up going to startups right out of undergrad. You did. What is that experience like? Has it been as wonderful as undergrad students expect it to be? So that's hilarious. And I've been thinking about this a little bit recently. Um, I never wanted to do the entrepreneurship thing. Like I never took one of the entrepreneurship classes or did any of those things. I was so content and happy to be like, I'm gonna go be an accountant and just enjoy wow. my very risk averse career choice um, working at Deloitte, which is like the best mm -hmm. accounting firm out there. Um, and it was really hard for me to run away from like the security of that into like the riskiness of what I was gonna be doing at a startup. Like legitimately, there's definitely been points where if things didn't work out, like. I'd be uh, looking for work to do. Um, mm. And like, thankfully, we've seen a lot of success and growth. That's been pretty amazing. Um, it's been hard fought, but it's been really good. But yeah, for undergrads, I'd say it's uh, it's not what you would think it would be. It's still, it's still work. Um, do you ever think about starting your own company someday? I do now. Uh, after getting to watch this experience, uh, I think more than anything, I'd love to work at another startup again at the same point. Um, the, first, the first year, it's hard. The first year where you're like, you have this idea and are trying to get people to believe in you, um, then your idea doesn't exist. It's just an idea. That's crazy time. Like that's the seed round and trying to get angel investors is insane to me. But uh, when you start to like get some real funding from VCs and start getting your feet under you, um, that's a really cool time. It's a unique time. Your company changes it's like a completely new thing every few weeks. Um, and it's really fun. I've loved that part of getting to watch something grow. And I'm sure that like you as Brady, have been able to put your stamp on things that I'm sure will be 
reverberating across the company for years to come, right? <laughs> uh, what's like the biggest decision that you can tell us that you've had to make and how did you make that decision? Oh man, that's a that's an interesting question. Um, the stamp that I think I'll leave behind, which was not the question you asked, was I love to add emojis into our company Slack channel. And so there is a plethora of emojis that my team and I have brought in that are pretty hilarious. Um, to answer your question, would be um, probably the biggest decision has been like how do we do financial reporting which is like a really boring decision and not like super glamorous it's not very fun uh, but we had to like call a lot of pretty important uh, we call it calling the play we had to call a lot of important plays around how we do stuff like that because it's important for talking to the world about who we are and what we're bringing to bring to the US with insurance and so that's uh, probably the most important thing. How to do revenue recognition and stuff like that. You know, the good nitty gritty accounting stuff. Brady, I have no doubt from everything that you're saying and from what I know about you that you will be making much larger decisions in the years to come and that you have a huge <laughs> career ahead of you. I think the sky's the limit. I'm curious what your ambitions are for your career. And then outside of that, what are some other things that you really want to make sure you prioritize in life? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think for me, I'd love to see myself stay here for a long time. Um, I'm someone who loves the aspect of community. Like I like, like this company because they're about community. Um, and when you stay somewhere for a long time, you get to invest in something like community. And that's really sweet. And so that's, I could see myself at Branch for a long time. I also could see myself eventually, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, we get to go public someday. And mm -hmm. it's a really different company after you go public. Um, and so... After getting to enjoy that for a little while, I could see myself trying to do it again, trying to jump into a startup right after they raise their Series A. And you're not going to retire at age 30. I could retire at age 32. I like. <laughs> there was a long time where I wanted to be a college professor. Um, yeah. I think I'd love it, and um, I'd like. I love the research aspect of it, um, and I'd enjoy the teaching aspect of it too. And so I've thought about. Uh, and man, if we go public and I'm 27 and sitting on some cash, I might just uh, there you <laughs> go. Just jump into academia and. No one will know. <laughs> that's amazing. We'll see. There's a lot, a lot in front of me, and that's I feel really blessed to be able to say that. Um, it's exciting. That's really great to hear. Um, and kind of pivoting the conversation here, I know one of your um, quotes that you really love to talk about is around faithfulness and gift, giftedness and yeah. kind of the interplay between the two. Um, first of all, I want to hear like a little bit more about the quote. I don't know if, I don't think I have the exact quote. Yeah, faithfulness outlasts giftedness every time. There you go. This sounds somewhat related to what you're saying about community yeah. and, uh, and sticking with people. Absolutely. Um, so the quote, I don't know who actually said it. Um, I heard it at the final um, like teaching. So like I did worked for Young Life as a volunteer when I was in college. And the person who was leaving uh, the direct leadership of our Columbus City Schools area to lead our city as a whole so like all like 10 areas of the city his in his last like um we call them leaderships so our, his last like devotional with our, his his team his team of like 50 leaders was around that around faithfulness is outlet will outlast giftedness every single time um which really just means stay there stick stick with it and show that your presence is going to be of way more value than what you feel like is the flashy gifts up front um, and it's, it's mean, it's meant a lot to me in different ways, uh, through time, but at the forefront, just being about like presence before anything else has been 
So that's been really formative for me uh, and stuck with me for a couple of years. Yeah, I feel like especially in a big city like Chicago, people like to throw their weight around, especially people who have talents. Like you are a very talented person and everyone in Chicago is generally talented. They have good jobs and they yeah, absolutely. are young people. And so a lot of the times people's self-worth becomes dependent on their giftedness and mm -hmm. they um, are mercenaries to whatever opportunities or friends will provide them with the most value back at that immediate moment, right? Yeah. And so that's such a risk and that's something that I've struggled with. Um, and it sounds like that's something you've tackled head on by taking this approach. Yeah. Um, it's, it's different. And I think you get to see it a lot, especially like in the work environment would be the faithfulness, outlast and giftedness is sometimes sticking around, not because of the work you're doing, but because of the people you're doing it with and the community you're building, uh, the like relationships that you're trying to invest in. Cause the hope would be that that's the value you're getting out of it in the long run, not necessarily the, the cool work experience or, um, anything else. Just it's the people that you're getting to impact and, uh, leave, leave something with. And this reminds me of a quote that I think Tim Keller references in one of his books around the idea that you are the promises that you keep, mm -hmm. um, in that sense where there are lots of things that could keep your attention and the things that you commit to and that you make decisions to commit to really define who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. So with that in mind, in terms of what have you been faithful to that has really made you who you are today. Yeah. Um, the, I think I'm a factor of a couple of things. I was very fortunate to be poured into really well by the awesome church growing up. Um, that was always my family and my community. Well, my family was my family, but it was always my extended family and my community uh, growing up, uh, and growing up in a, in a elementary and middle school, especially where I didn't feel like I fit in really well. And so had that like core group of people that cared for me and showed up for me. And so that was really formative. And then in high school, got plugged in with Young Life and was a member of their ministry for high school kids uh, for four years in high school and then volunteered for them for four years in college and really loved it. Um, really changed my perspective on my faith and also my perspective on relationships in a lot of ways. And even I'm thinking about going back to what you were saying earlier about you knew that Park was the place to commit to and just yeah. how many... Blessings can come from committing to a church has been mm -hmm. really cool to see as well. Yeah, it's uh, it's worth it to show up and like invest. And a lot of times the investment's not hard. It's just like acknowledging that it's worth it to go that little extra step to do it. Um, do you have a set of people, whether it's a future family or um, certain like underprivileged group of people where when you die or when you're close to death, they will have said, you know what, Brady was faithful to me. Brady invested in me. What what element of community, whether it's work, family, church, like who do you see yourself really investing in in the long run? Man, um, I hope it grows and changes a lot through my life. Because knock on wood, that it's not tomorrow. That you know, guys, you guys are all hanging out around the casket, and, you know, celebrating my <laughs> long, my long life. Uh, right. <laughs> the I really like have loved. And I would say that when I was in Columbus, like I would say that definitively the community I poured into in Bexley would have been that community. Mm. Um, got to coach soccer there, worked with a lot of like probably 200 different students in my time that I was, was there. Not that a lot of them came to our programming, but that I had relationships with, knew them by name, got, was able to care for them. Sh they knew I was going to be present and would show up. 
and that I was going to be faithful, even though I wasn't the most gifted of charismatic people in their life. But now I'm, I'm trying to find that place for me here in Chicago. There's still, there's a part of me that really wants to find a place to continue to pour more of myself into beyond my work. Uh, work right now has been a, uh, a Dolly Parton five to nine type of experience instead of a <laughs> nine to five. And so not actually five to nine, that'd be insane. Seven to nine, sure, but not five to nine, but not all the time. And it's getting better every single day. <laughs> you say that through gritted teeth so much better <laughs> it's improving we're gonna share this podcast with everyone at your yeah uh, exactly this is being sent to your boss uh immediately yeah. after this. hey steve so I, I pitched i pitched a company at the beginning i hope you heard that right right exactly <laughs> let's talk about coffee shops you love coffee shops why oh man there's there's so much there um when i was living in columbus i there's a thing called the columbus coffee experience which is 17 different independently owned coffee shops on a stamp book. And so you just travel around and get all the stamps. And if you get four, you get a free, t- a free t-shirt. And I got all 17 when I was a junior Wait, in college. you get four, you get a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. What happens if you get 17? You get a coffee mug, which you would think oh, it would should be, be better reversed. Than that. <laughs> or at least <laughs> yeah. more impressive. Do you have like a name on a plaque or something like that? I, you should. Like I, I put in the work. Like it was hard. Seriously. They're all over the city. Um, but just there's a lot of beauty there's a lot of difference in what Mm. different coffee shops are that's kind of fun and a lot of them are supporting really cool missions especially the ones that i got to enjoy and experience in columbus uh bottoms up is a coffee shop in franklinton which is a food desert in the local area of uh, columbus proper and they support the community that they're based in which is really cool and so cool revitalization and uh, investment in the community but the reason I really love coffee shops is I love coffee and there's something kind of beautiful about getting to sit down with someone and have a coffee, a coffee with them and get to know them for who they are. Uh, it's an easy time to unplug and just be present and be that, that faithfulness. That's going to just be there with people. Um, my two, two of my best friends from college, Aaron and Casey, who may listen to this podcast, will get two more followers on the podcast. There you go. They, they, love uh they love coffee as well and so we would all on saturday mornings uh during when we were in college we would go and uh, have coffee together at the different coffee shops around columbus it was it was a really fun sweet time we still do when i have when i go back for work um, grab coffee so i feel like i need to get some like basic things out of the way mm-hmm. favorite roast go to espresso order yeah tell, tell me about that yeah so i'm i'm pretty i'm pretty loyal to the dark roast um oh wow like like a good Vienna roast from just wherever is yeah. just delicious. The like the darker and the most that it tastes like like just chocolate and dirt, the better. Um, <laughs> like the tasting notes, I feel like with light roasts are like floral and cherry, and I think I have had coffee with a tasting note of dirt before. That's a dark roast. Oh wow! Um, so that's my favorite roast, and my favorite way to drink coffee is Bottoms Up, the coffee shop that I was mentioning earlier has a cloud coffee which is a piece of cotton candy suspended on a stick above your coffee and the heat from the coffee rises and melts the cotton candy and it rains into your coffee that is so (laughs) it's called the rainy day wait i've seen images of that it's it's amazing and it's super tasty because uh it's like uh, like you get like a sugar around the rim of your coffee from the rain you know falling and solidifying on your coffee I'm just going to go to Columbus now just to check out the Guys, coffee shop. For the Ohio State-Purdue game, I have tickets. We could all go. Let's do it. 
There you it's, go. I'm sure there'll be Alex plenty of free tickets to pick football, up. So. <laughs> and I love coffee, John. <laughs> so it sounds like a win for Alex. Oh for sure. Um, actually, I think this is a fun activity we should do on this podcast. Yeah. Brady, I need you to sell coffee to Alex. <laughs> okay. No, not so, again. So here's the sale. It's warm and just is so distinctly itself. And there's so much exploration in the flavor of what it is. And there's a certain piece about just sitting there with a cup of black coffee um, and getting to enjoy reading a book or having some quiet time or just talking with a friend. It's, it's about the ambiance. And you can do it with tea, too. I'm not opposed to tea. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on the tea train. Oh, I appreciate that. I don't like tea either, but I appreciate that. <laughs> Are you it, just a hot liquid hater? Is that what we're hearing? No, right here? I... You know what? I don't know what it is, but I, I get so much judgment for the fact that I don't love coffee. In fact, so I had a date last night. Oh, Dave's really? going great. It somehow came. You don't sound so surprised, Brady. <laughs> Alex, you had a date. Um, So I was on a date. It somehow comes up that I don't love coffee. This girl, her face, when she found this out, it was terrifying. I thought I was going to be left alone immediately after that. Maybe I'll never hear from her again. Who knows? But um, it's a big deal to people. Coffee is like a second religion or a first religion. Does Christianity which, come second after coffee? Is which that- like is not correct. Like we can't have it be too much of who we are. Uh, there's definitely been some times where I have like a coffee issue um, of too much caffeine all the time, but got in moderation with all things. Yeah. I mean, imagine if we celebrated other drugs in the same way, like, oh my gosh, this certain line of cocaine was <laughs> outstanding. <laughs> Gentlemen, you have to try it. <laughs> Sourced directly from Colombia, <laughs> single origin. <laughs> oh, oh man. Yep. Yep. So Brady, mm-hmm. if you had to open your own coffee shop, oh my gosh, what are like some key? So I guess elements. I have a lot of elements. Okay. Okay. I'll just let so you. So just to go. be to be brief. So you have to have a line that's long in your coffee shop. Like it can't be a short line. It has to be a long line, and you have to have a lot of space for your line. And so then, and then, <laughs> that's the line. And we're talking about a line of cocaine, not a line of people. I just couldn't hold it back. Okay. okay. All right. Are you sure we're talking about a coffee shop here? Or? Okay. Uh-huh. So there's gonna, so there has to be a line. Like, and, <laughs> okay, I won't talk about the line. And right. they're after a gathering of people, <laughs> one dimensionally. <laughs> so, oh. the, there's a lot of key elements you have to have in a coffee shop. The tables have to be uneven for the legs. They, you have to have things shoved under the legs of the table to make sure that they're level. If they're if they're level, it's not worth it. And they have to be squeezed. And they had to be small square tables squeezed into areas where there's just not enough space. I, I can't tell if he's being serious because no, he's saying this serious. so seriously. Completely serious. And then you have to have baked goods, but the baked goods cannot be the core of your coffee shop. They should come from another bakery. You shouldn't bake the baked goods in-house. There's bakeries for that. You're a coffee shop. And then a I love the cloud coffee. So the, the rainy day, the cotton candy over the coffee that rains sugar into your coffee. Amazing. But then having a couple specialty items like that and then just being really good with high quality, high quality coffee drinks. And then I love the coffee wall where you have different, different coffees that you could sample, like take home a pound uh, of coffee for at home or and sample a pour over there in the coffee shop. 
Um, and I love the concept of a community bookshelf where you just like people leave books behind and like take come and go with like a community library and like a map room that's like a side so like a, lots of different a, things to read room in. just for maps oh yeah or like and there's there's tables you know squeezed into there into the map room but like Brady I'm picturing this coffee shop and what I see is my grandma's garage <laughs> it's pretty much your grandma's garage just moved in and what's nice is it's very affordable to make this coffee shop because you just need to go Alex's grandma's garage <laughs> and it has tables that just for some reason aren't flat yeah and the, all you have to do is go to a whole bunch of estate estate sales and just pick up a whole oh. bunch of stuff and the more like weird eclectic old things you can shove into the coffee shop, the better. Hear me out. The worst type of table combination, which you didn't mention, which I was happy about, are tables that the chairs are too low and the tables are too high. Oh, that's miserable. And then you're just crouching mm-hmm. and you don't have a good place to like rest. Yeah, your... surprisingly oh, common. Yeah, Surprisingly common. I forgot to mention a very important element. No plugs, except for like a couple random power strips that are just strewn throughout the coffee shop. This is like a very, are you, okay, question here. Are you describing to me a coffee shop that you've been to, or is this a combination of a bunch? Of a combination of a couple. Okay. This is like um, a mixture of stuffs and bottoms up and another another coffee shop in Franklinton. Um, and then like a couple of bakery items that I'd love to bring in from All a couple right, of Give me a couple of bakery items. Um, okay. You got to have a, a good scone, a good berry muffin. Mm. A, a coffee coffee cake of some kind, whether in a muffin. We, we shape. shouldn't have done this at this point because now I'm just hungry. Yeah, <laughs> um, and like that's really like you don't need to have a ton. If you're feeling really crazy, like I've seen coffee shops do breakfast sandwiches really well, and those are really good. Um, that's the only way that you could like deviate from the bakery. So, Brady, I think what you're getting at is like a very grunge. Oh yeah, feel. It has to be the grunge. Okay, because most I, I'm not a coffee shop goer most coffee shops i go to are like a starbucks where it's mm-hmm. super organized very clean this map room the power cables strewn everywhere first of all that sounds like a liability you may want to re- rethink that yeah but, but also i work in insurance we'll just get a policy <laughs> for that that's fair but point being it sounds like the intention is you go here and you feel like you've stepped into another like world or another or into time. your grandma's garage or like, into your grandma's garage and, the, and you like feel home. like you're a part of something special and it's really just about the person right across from you yeah it's a home like you're at home um with with a friend and it's just there's something sweet about that and it doesn't have to be super clean and like well put together it's organized it's mm-hmm. organized chaos and that concludes the shark tank pitch we will be back after the break uh for whether he got the deal yeah whether or not alex and i decide to invest yeah i I would invest in that actually it sounds like a good idea yeah i wonder what the return investment on coffee shops generally i couldn't imagine it's great they're more generally passion projects anyways uh as you can tell because i'm very passionate about it and could totally have a passion project that loses money and just it'd be my heart and soul I could totally see that happening to me. I need to avoid it. It'd be too tempting. Well, no. Once you uh, once you retire at thirty, this is yeah. what you do. This it's is like what extra do. cash. You've ran like multiple companies. You've taken over the world, and now you just open an eclectic coffee shops. Oh yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I, or only a few though, like either like two or three in one city. Yeah, you've got to yeah. you, you can't gotta get keep, too big. You got to keep some element of like scarcity. Yeah, right? you can't go Starbucks size. So yeah. I also feel like there has to be in every coffee shop there has to be some element about the city in the coffee mm-hmm. shop. Oh yeah. So but thank you for pointing that out. That's very what, important. What would it be in Columbus? Oh, Columbus, man, the Columbus cop out is Ohio State. You can put Ohio State anything in a Columbus anything, and it's like oh yes, Columbus, because that's basically our professional sports team in the city is the Ohio State Buckeyes. 
the like things that I love, there's a lot of like really fun, unique things about Columbus that um, people who love hanging out, especially downtown area, really enjoy. The uh, like the river area, the side of mile is just beautiful, and there's these like these like st- statues of these deer that are like hanging out like as if they were people around the side of mile park. Um, so I feel like a statue of one of those deer inside inside the coffee shop would be a just vague enough reference to be meaningful without like really being in your face. There would of course be an Ohio State logo of some kind somewhere in the coffee shop because it is a coffee shop. But then you have to have the other thing that says I'm actually a mm-hmm. Columbus resident. Yes. Yeah. He's given this all so much thought. I'm I'm amazed. I've never given anything this much thought in my life. <laughs> okay, we that's need my to talk. That's we need to talk, Alex. My, my sad violin music. <laughs> <laughs> my my high school, my sophomore year of high school history teacher, Mrs. Longwell, once sat down and asked me, "Hey, so like, do you ever like stop?" And I'm like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "Do you ever just stop thinking?" And I was like, "I feel like this is a trap, but no." Um, so I get I get what you mean. Do you um, have insomnia? I no, I love sleeping is sleeping is big. I feel like though my problem is I like pack so much into my day from like right when I wake up until right when I go to bed. And so it's just like a nonstop grind and then I'm just like out cold. You know, Brady, despite how packed your days are though, and how much ambition it's clear that you have, you have a certain air of whimsy about you, one might say. And I've heard you say before that a character trait of God that is found can be found by appreciating whimsy. Yeah. What do you mean by that? So the, the where I got this was from a person who volunteered with a campus ministry that um, was connected to Young Life. It wasn't, he was a, a, a dad in the community who would support um, our Young Life college leaders. And he was like, you guys, Young Life is the best. You guys have Bob Goff, like that's your dude and you guys have whimsy. And since he said that, I was like interested about it. I hadn't read Bob Goff, though like he is a, like a decently well-known writer who's known to be a pretty large supporter of Young Life. And so it's like, okay, uh, let me look for his book. So his flagship book is Love Does by Bob Goff. And Bob Goff, yeah, his like, his photos like are always balloons in the background. And a lot of what he writes about is like the past that says uh, I've come so that you may have life and life to the full. And the concept around life to the full is man, like a life with Jesus is going to be so much more full than a life without. And so if we really are meant to be Christ followers, we're meant to be set free from things and in freedom of like being a slave to Christ that we are set free from so much that's holding us back in our life. Um, and that freedom like is and what we get to experience with like God's love and love does awesome book, very challenging book, uh, but it's about whimsy. It's about like, there's a character of God that is about just like the fun of life that we're free to enjoy. I, I love that. I'm curious what, I'm, I'm not trying to challenge you here, but like mm-hmm. where in the Bible does it point to that? Like, I'm curious, I'm curious to see your references, Brady. Yeah. Um, I brought the book and I should have uh, reviewed it a little bit more closely before before bringing uh, this topic to the forefront. I think life and life to the full is a great one. I think you also yeah. see it in the character of like God and what he does and who he mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. One like great example is like he can take care of like he's God. Like he can do anything he wants with any sort of way. And when he cast demons, he put them all into pigs and made them jump off a cliff. Like 
that's, there's a certain element of <laughs> of kind of hilarity yeah. in that. Um, there's there's intentionality and like a part of whimsy too is like that there's intentionality behind the fun and the enjoyment of life. Whimsy is though it is like a it has an an annotation of carefree. Um, there's also a really beautiful part of just the love and enjoyment of what life has to offer. Um, and so that's like the freedom piece of the character of God. I don't think there's no like proverb that says like God is whimsy. Um, but there, you can see it in a lot of how he interacts with his, with his people. Well, there's no, you know, there's no way when reading the new Testament and hearing Jesus's words to actually understand whether he's speaking with sarcasm or joking, right? That wasn't the purpose mm -hmm. of the authors writing that book. But I think there are though, though there are Jesus did have some like very yeah. he had yeah. some savage things to say. And I would imagine if he's living with these twelve dudes day in day out, they had some pretty fun jokes, and yeah. they they were sometimes pretty savage with each other. <laughs> I'm just imagining the re the crowd's reaction. That's like, give to God what is God's, give to Caesar's what is Caesar's. Mm -hmm. and um just yeah, mic that, drop <laughs> yeah, mic drop and like leave uh yeah there's a and it's it's an element of like i feel like it can be easy sometimes to be like oh there's a lot of rules whimsy is the opposite of rules like the f element of faith that is like rule-based faith is the polar opposite of what an element of faith that is based off of just love and that's what what believing in jesus is like it's not about mm -hmm. it's we are we are encouraged and called to behave in a way as a result of our faith, not like we have to be a certain way and set up perfectly. And we don't have to come perfect to God to be, uh, to be a child of God. We start as a child of God and then become more and more like him every day. And I, and I think that's a great, that's a great picture of, yeah. you know, the gospel and what, what, what we believe. And I'm, I'm curious, we talked earlier about, you know, your role in a startup, mm -hmm. um, you know, your own ambition. And I think, um, how do you see like whimsy really coming into play in those spaces? Yeah. The, uh, I was recently, uh, like interviewing for like a small, like program type thing. And the question came up, what do you, what, wh how do you hope that your coworkers describe you? And I was like, man, I hope that they describe me as someone who wants to care for them and wants to have fun, but like also is like driving for something great. Like those are the things that I hope that I'm bringing to the table is an element of like realistic optimism and care for others. That's going to drive building something amazing. Um, and I think that like there's love and care and fun in just caring for people well. Uh, and there's an element of whimsy in that sort of, in that sort of approach. Do you think that element of whimsy, whimsy is very core to the natural essence of who you are. I'm curious what character traits you would say are the base level traits that are existing from your DNA and which ones do you feel like you have to fight, mm -hmm. right? To be more like God and more like Jesus and which ones do you think come really naturally? That's a deep question. Well, thank you. Yeah, that's, that's really deep. Um, I don't know. There's, uh, there was a time, I think I got a lot of my carefreeness, I would say from working for Young Life. Um, growing up, like grew up in a very conservative, like wonderful Christian household, Christian church um, that cared for me really well. And so the legalism aspect has been something that's been something that I've struggled with, but learned a lot about as I've grown and like worked for your life in college and those types of things. The characters of God are like, I mean, man, like the, I've heard it described as there's like two 
exceeding lines that get further and further apart as you continue to live through life of you just get to enjoy the grace of God more and more as you realize how much you suck basically. (laughs) Um, And so there's an element of that. Like that's really real. Um, And that can be either really debilitating or it can be a great reminder. You can focus on the downward facing line that's getting further away. That is like sin and sadness, or you can be like, man, the grace of God's getting really cool as, as I go through life and get to experience it more. And I think I get to, I hope that I have an appropriate balance and appreciation of both because that's important. Um, but that I, I think I tend, tend more towards the getting to celebrate in the grace and hope than anything else, which is, that's, that's a little bit of a whimsy type of attitude. <laughs> Absolutely. What you're saying about grace increasing throughout your life, I think oftentimes that grace is manifested through the others who invest into us. Mm-hmm. Purdue always talks about how we're standing on the shoulders of giants. What is that quote, John? Standing on the backs of giants. Um, you, you in reference right. to astronauts. Yeah, shoulders of giants. Yeah. You, you nailed it. Perfect. Thanks, guys. And one thing I think about a lot is that I am where I am today. I am who I am. Mm-hmm. Anything good about me is due to other people who have invested in me. Yeah. And oftentimes, I think that has been very God-inspired and, mm-hmm. and God has worked through that. Yeah, God what are, what are Yeah, what are some tangible elements of seeing God's grace in your life through other people? Yeah. Um, like I'll take it more like the mentors in my life. My parents have always shown up really well for me and cared for me really well. Um, there was a pastor, uh, who like our family ministries pastor, her name was Jen, who like set up a program that led to me reading like seven or eight different books about missionaries. And when I was like, right up, I mean, really and this is why she works with kids is because like it was me like sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Like it's a very impressionable time in anyone's life. I used to work with freshmen in high school and they're wild, but they're very impressionable. Um, and that was, that was, that was amazing. That was like God showing up in a really cool way to catch me and like help me catch an eye for like what it's like to care for other people. Um, the, and then also the people I got to work with for young life were amazing. And, I do think that Columbus is something unique. There's 400 volunteers, like three or 400 volunteers in the city of Columbus who go and work in 60 different high school ministry contexts and middle schools and colleges and with special needs students and teen moms and all sorts of different really amazing places that we get to show up and getting to be in that community and getting to see God work in amazing ways through my peers and my friends and um, like, uh, and just even in my own community, like it was pretty amazing pretty mm-hmm. impactful there's a time when like faith becomes your own that you get to see god move in amazing ways and that's a part of like what's driving your faith and that was really special for me when i was in college yeah absolutely and i think there's another element and just in how we can point to others mm-hmm. invested in us ultimately all of us can point to like jesus and say hey yeah, we have we've can love because we've been loved so much um yeah. by by him and by god um, so I think it's just cool that we can see that reflected that same, um, you know, love being poured into us, it's poured into others as kind of, we have on the more God level side of things as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say, Brady, I, I always have a certain sense of cynicism towards humanity in general and just people's a John Hobbs style. Uh, yes, perhaps, <laughs> but specifically humanity's ability to be truly selfless and whimsical and 
act towards others out of a genuine love for them. And some people like John McGee here really inspire me that people can be that way. And the more I get to know you, like I, I get that sense from you as well. There's just a very pure, like care for other people and care to like improve the lives of those around you. Yeah. Um, so I just want to say that's very commendable and inspiring. Yeah. It's something that I wish I could live into more too. It's an area I'm still continuing to grow in. Um, I wish I was like the, the big hope for me, like in this next couple of like year or two is I really want to get engaged more in like another part of ministry that's reaching the city here in Chicago. And that's like one hole that I've been feeling that I wish I had, mm-hmm. um, not that it was a need, like I have all that I need. Um, but a way that I'd like to be engaged and give back would be through something like that. And I'm still figuring out a way to do that with my current job, which is, heavily unpredictable and sometimes crazy. Yeah. Um, we'll figure it out. Well, Brady, uh, we're coming to the end of our podcast, but not the we end. did <laughs> promise you a soapbox. So for everyone on our podcast, we give you 30 minutes or 30, <laughs> 30, 30 minutes. minutes. I thought That'd this was the like, end, John. Guys, <laughs> be a long we're preparing time. to talk for 30 minutes about <laughs> this topic that I'm content- going to say right now, which is manatees which is the topic that, dare I say it, helped launch the need for this podcast. He's right. This is true. Because I was sitting at this here table maybe two or three months ago talking about how Columbus, Ohio has one of the largest manatee rehabilitation centers in the United States. And, and Alex and John were like, there's no way that Columbus, Ohio has one of the largest manatee rehabilitation <laughs> and, centers and, in the United States. to defend ourselves, Columbus, Ohio is very, very far from manatees. landlocked. Very landlocked. There is the Ohio River, but there's no manatees in it. I wish there were manatees. If there were manatees so in the Midwest, cool. I would be there. So yeah, Columbus, Ohio has one of the largest manatee rehabilitation centers. They like literally fly them in from Florida where when they get hit very by boats. Very efficient. It's very efficient. Um, there's some manatees that have been like staples of the zoo and the huge exhibit, um, really fun and I remember like growing up being like a six-year-old and getting to like run into the Columbus Zoo and go look at the manatees. So it's one of my favorite like memories from growing up to spend time at the Columbus Zoo, uh, top zoo in the United States. It's a it's a great place and the uh, manatee that's been there for a long time. His name is Stubby. Uh, I highly <laughs> recommend you yeah give him a visit. What's so, what's the commission? Do we have like a discount code when we go to the Columbus yeah. Zoo, like Brady Ellis? <laughs> yeah, to, uh, get twenty percent off. Say my name at the door, and if my sister is working, she'll probably help you get in for cheap. Um, oh wow! So, well, yeah. She she's <laughs> only working out. there for another uh, like week and a half. So you get to Columbus right now, guys. All right, Brady. This is why you, we invited you over. Now that we have the code, uh, <laughs> yep, get out. Yep, I'm free to go now. Um, this is actually your first sponsored podcast. <laughs> Sponsored by the Cincinnati Zoo. The Columbus Zoo. The Columbus Zoo. Now, now, do not confuse the Columbus and the Cincinnati Zoo. The Cincinnati Zoo killed Harambe, and the Columbus Zoo has manatees. Oh, my god! Very different zoos. Uh, well, good. we've actually got a picture of a manatee up now, and if this doesn't prove that God has whimsy, I don't know what does. Manatees that is are a, really that ugly is a animals. Funny-looking creature. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Well... Yes, yeah. John. <laughs> Did you have more to say? Um, no, I, I think I'll let you take it, uh, take us out. Oh, thanks, John, for the permission. Um, Brady, <laughs> Brady, this has been so fun. Uh, we're going to stop recording now because we're out of time, but um, Dang I hope we can do this again soon. What if we just secretly record for the rest of the time that uh, like, I'll just wear a mic home? And That's right. This could be episodes four, five, six, all the way through 10 if we want it to be. Yeah, just listening to me you know, at home talking with my roommates about what we're having for dinner tomorrow. Yeah, and while you're walking... What are you having for dinner tomorrow? Probably a sous vide chicken 
uh, pan seared in a cast iron with uh, rice and steamed vegetables. Sounds great. Most likely. If, if Jake gets his way, I'd like to eat probably like Chick-fil-A or something. That's typically where I'd like to. All right. Now that you've talked about coffee and uh, baked goods and dinner, and I, think, I, think it's, I think it's time for a food break. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time.